Welcome to this week's episode of Being Human. I'm delighted to say I have with me Philippa Kindon and Taryn Burden from the company Maiden uh, in Bath in the UK, an extraordinary company uh, who you develop uh, software for the uh, healthcare industry. Uh, you won Development Team of the Year 2018 at the UK IT Industry Awards. You've got this extraordinary culture. Uh, this podcast is all about emancipating humans globally. And uh, a big part of that is the work cultures that people operate in. So very excited to have you on the show to learn more about your, your experience of this culture, uh, how Maiden works. Uh, so both of you, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Uh, I wonder if we should start then with a little bit of background of the of the Maiden company and then how both each of you came to be working there. No worries. Yeah. Philippa, go for it. I feel like you do this really well. <laughs> so do you, but I'm happy to take it away. So uh, Maiden has actually been around for 22 years. Um, so it's a well-established SME. Um, it started as a, a very boutique consultancy. Um, just two or three people um, got the, the organization underway. Um, our founding director, Chris May, is still in place, um, still very actively involved in the organization. Um, and, uh, you know, is a, is a great uh, sort of leader in this space. Um, over the last um, sort of 10 years, really 10 to 12 years, Maiden has become the organization that it is today, recognizable as a, as a health tech company providing um, lead industry-leading software for psychological therapy, which we're very, very proud of, really, really proud to be working in that sector and, uh, and helping you know, such an important um, space and such a needed space right now, as we know. Um, we're based in Bath. Uh, as you say, uh, we've got two lovely um, offices here, uh, one in Oldfield Park, um, and one in an area called Whitcomb. Um, from our Whitcomb office, we run something called the IO Academy, um, which is a, a training house for software developers. Um, so that's another little arm of our, our um, sort of enterprise. Um, and then here in our main offices in Oldfield Park, um, we are about 120 employees. Um, uh, Karen might have more accurate figures. It does, but, you know, we're changing and growing. Um, but yeah, I think we're around about 120 now. Um, it, we work uh, as you know most people do these days, um, sort of hybridly. Plenty of people coming into the office, but lots of flex flexibility to work from home as well. Um, I so my personal kind of journey into the organisation. I joined uh, about six years ago, coming up six years ago, um, at a time when introducing self-managing and agile was really at a you know a pivotal moment for the organization no doubt we'll go into that in a bit more detail um my background before coming to maiden um is in business support um and then before that um research into organizational behavior um i yeah and i my, my role here is wide and varied across our culture across um, innovation um, and new market discovery. So, yeah, it's a very exciting company to work for. Uh, no day is the same. Awesome. All right. <laughs> I think I'll tag on to Philippa and kind of big her up because she never bigs herself up. When she said she did a bit of research, did a PhD. So um, she, she's, she <laughs> has incredible, <laughs> Dr. Philippa has incredible knowledge around identity in the workplace and has, has really researched the, the space of, of, you know, 
um, unlocking, I guess, people's potential in the workplace in, in a really lovely way. And so was I joined probably six months before Philippa did, three months before Philippa did. Um, and joined the organization as actually a receptionist. Mm-hmm. At the time, I'd just come out quite of a toxic work environment and I wanted to fly under the radar. I wanted to play it safe, um, but came into this organization that was doing things differently, interestingly, and very quickly kind of went, oh, I want, I want to play here too. <laughs> this looks interesting. Uh, my background's very different. I, I, I went to the University of Life, I like to say. Um, my qualifications are in musical theatre. Um, so very much a very different background, but I've just kind of found a really interesting workspace. Um, we did a, a, an event, a, a networking event earlier this week, myself and Philippa outside around a, a fire pit with other I- individuals who were interested in reinventing work, rediscovering different ways of working. And somebody wrote a LinkedIn post afterwards and said, I found my safe playground. And I just loved that language. And, I, and I've definitely felt that has been the journey here at Maiden. It's a safe place, um, but we, we get to really experiment and, ex- and explore. And my role has evolved as we've evolved in this space um, of, of rethinking how we organize ourselves. So now I work um, in the area of kind of organizational development. And as a coach here within the organization, coaching is a big part of how we support staff. Um, and I'm sure, as we've said, we'll go more into detail, but mm. we, we removed line management um, probably about seven, eight years ago. Um, and in that process, introduced coaching. I love and that. So it's from- a, r- a round of applause. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a challenging journey. It's not, it sounds exciting, but it has its challenges as well. And, and we'll be first to say that, you know, we, we want to be honest about the journey. It's extremely rewarding and satisfying, but it's it's not all smooth sailing. Yeah, no, great. Um, I'm interested that I just made a note there of that you, you described that your previous workplace is toxic. I wonder mm. if you could talk a little bit more about that because I guess a lot of people may hear that and relate to that in you know in the places they've worked in the past mm. or where they are right now. Mm-hmm. So, w- what did that toxic environment look like for you? And then how? What were the things that were different that you noticed immediately when you moved to Maiden? Um, I think that, you know, every organization has its challenges. And I, mm. and I will be the first to say that I think a lot of those challenges are, are rooted in individuals' personal challenges or life challenges. Um, and I think if we can invest more in people and if we can help people be more self-aware, help them with understanding who they are and being better individuals, you're going to have a better organization. Um, but most organizations focus on the structures and the, and the systems and the processes and managing people rather than empowering people. And so I think in that environment, it felt extremely controlled. It was, there was a lot of um, kind of mis-messaging. One minute you were asked to do this, the next minute you do this. So you just didn't, never knew quite where you stood or what, what you were allowed to do. There was once permission, then permission was suddenly taken. So it felt very whiplashy in kind of what what could I do is that allowed am I not no I've done it wrong I need to undo what I did and so just kind of really um uncertain there was a lot of uncertainty about how much I could actually live into the space and the opportunities and in one breath you felt like you had were given empowerment and lots of opportunity it was a small company it was a startup and was so you know I was working across many roles in the business because that was the need at the time but in that felt also not very empowered. I felt very 
um, limited. And so right. coming to Aiden, I just really felt um, it, a release to kind of be who I needed to be and and take on opportunity that it, it was kind of like, here's the space. How do you want to occupy it? Rather than this is what you should do. This is how you should do it. And this is where you need to be and kind of put in that box. Right. And so, and was this before Maiden had, had got rid of the line management? So I, I joined um, just just at well i think the line manager had probably been moved six months to a year before that but was in a painful moment of kind of this is working for some of our teams our, our developers were in a slightly stronger position because they'd introduced agile in already and scrum into their practices and i was working with another team that hadn't quite explored that and, and figured out how they're going to work as a self-managing team so there was you kind of an organization of different parts where each team was figuring out how they're going to self-manage. And so it was, we'd removed line management, but it was, it was sticky. <laughs> Probably a good way to describe it. <laughs> right. But, but a big change from where you'd been. Oh, massively. Yeah. 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 And, and, and how about you, Philippa? So were you around during that transition? So I think uh, as, Taryn said, we both joined at a, a very similar time. Um, and when I came on board, um, there had been over that summer, uh, the, the organization had done some uh, what we called values workshops. So um, one of the directors and uh, one of our um, longest standing software developers had been around to all the teams. So we'd done a lot of work on values. Uh, there's four values at Maiden, and they're they're really well embedded and and well lived. Um, and but at the time, there was like a lot of work around. Well, how can we best live by our values, and how do we know when people live by their values, and how do we know when we're not? Um, and the results of those um, workshops were um, taken to a staff day. So that was for me my kind of first real moment at Maiden. I'd been with the organisation of. Hmm, not even a month. Um, I worked really closely with um, Ali and Rob, the director and the software developer who'd run these workshops. Because my background, as Tara mentioned, um, I did, did my PhD research and I'm a grounded researcher. Um, so I worked with Ali and Rob. Um, what, does that look, what, what does that mean? Uh, grounded uh, so grounded researcher means that you, you allow, um, you know, the, the data, you know, what people are saying and doing to emerge and get to know things from the ground up. So what we did is we literally took what people had said during those workshops and we cut them into tickets and we spread them out on the floor and went, what is going on in this organization? You know, what is working well, what is not working well, and how do we want to work collectively to move forward from here? So we'd successfully introduced agile and self-managing in the developer teams. But as Taryn just pointed to, the, the rollout of that among the organization as a whole was getting a bit stuck. Um, and that was sort of the organization that Taryn and I joined was like this, you know, this organization has got some incredible values, some great aspirations. It really cares about its people and it's, you know, implemented some really brave things. And why is it getting stuck and why are people getting frustrated? Um, so that was, you know, that was the time that I sort of came into the organization and, and helped to figure out what was going on, hear the staff. Uh, we'd done a staff survey that had returned some really interesting results around um, decision making um, and, you know, frustrations about being heard. And we just 
dug in and said, how do we fix this together? And I do remember some really sort of strong guidelines around, we don't want this to be a, a change initiative. You know, we don't want this to be something that, you know, comes from, you know, uh, others. This is something that we're all in it together. And, and that was really when we started to think about, well, how are we really creating an organisation that everybody wants to work for? And the way you do that is to get people involved. So that was, you know, that staff day in November 2016 was like a real watershed moment for starting to really get that. How do you self-manage self-managing? Um, we sort of really got that to flow through the organisation from that point. So when you say, how do you self-manage self-managing, what do you mean by that? So um, as we said, we did, we, we knew that things needed to be done. You know, we wanted to work on our way of working. Yeah. But what we didn't want it to be was a small group doing it to others. So this wasn't something that was going to, and at the time, you know, and we'll, we can talk a little bit more about kind of hierarchy and flat and flatter, you know, through, through the conversation. But what we didn't want was something that felt like it had come from the top down and then was up to others to roll out. We wanted to, for this to be, you know, a real collective effort. But like one of the first questions we really had to dig into was in an organization where you don't have a line manager telling you what to do, how do you decide who decides? You know, you kind of end up in this loop of, is it my job? Is it your job? You know, we don't have any like hierarchical authority over one another. So how do we get into a position where we can, and obviously you've got to be able to make decisions where, you know, delivering for our customers all the time. We're in a fast paced, um, you know, um, competitive environment. You know, we need to be making good decisions for the business. So that, that kind of how do you self-manage, self-managing, how do you decide who decides was just all part of how we got our way of working underway. And actually, just in practical terms, we actually chose to use um, working groups, self-selected, volunteer. We're looking at decision making as a topic. Come and have a chat. Talk to us. Tell it, you know, let's all get together and figure out how we're going to do this together. And that, that model of working groups or task and finish groups that kind of spin up around an area, you know, take some action, get some things done. That is a model that we still continue to use six years on. Right. T task and finish groups. What do you mean by that? Uh, so you, if, you've, if, you're, if you're at Maiden, if you're an employee at Maiden, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter how long you've been here. If you are bumping into an issue that isn't your specific teamwork, you know, you know, people work in teams, they have their day-to-day -day jobs that they need to get on with. But if you spot an issue at Maiden that you think something needs to be done about this, you can say, here's my problem. Here's what's going on. Who wants to come around this with me? And you crack on and you get stuff done. Right, right, right. Um, I think to clarify as well, so we have working groups across the business that meet regularly to keep for just continuous improvement. And that can be from anywhere from the software developers um, right through to the recruitment tree, the team, those who do inductions, we meet up regularly to go, how can we keep this going and improve practice and continuously uh, learn and reflect. But then task and finish groups spin up when a problem needs to be looked at, but then they'll spin back down again. So they have, they have a task, they, they deliver on it, and then it finishes. So we end up with two types of working groups, if you could say. Right, got it. Got it. So then, so I'm intrigued then. So 
I hear a lot of people when I bring this message to other organizations and say, hey, you know, there are organized companies that don't have line managers. And then, oh, yeah, but if we tried that here, it would be chaos, right? It would, you know, we, we, maybe we can do something around this, but, you know, if we, obvious, it's like obvious, it's like self evidently, we need some form of formal hierarchy. We need some form of line management. And I guess that would be a big question, right? Well, how do you decide who decides? So, what was your solution to that? I think um, one of the things we, to touch on that, to answer that, we kind of go mm. to the step in a different direction was actually the other question we asked, because we have four directors in the organization, is what is the role of the director in the organization? And that was another working group that gathered around that to kind of understand that, obviously, massively in partnership with the directors, because we didn't want to have the flip where a group told the directors how they should be. Um, it was, you know, so a, a lot of our working groups have the directors involved and as well as, and we have to have that really open conversation. Are you in the space as a team member or are you here as a director? Or is the, the hat that you're wearing? Because it can be um, quite confusing sometimes what space that a director is engaging in a conversation. And I think that is where we've also looked at as organization go, we, we talk about residual line management. So we looked at the role of the director and, and within Maiden, we say they're there to set direction, set expectation, and then to get out the way. And getting out that way isn't we're going to ignore you and not speak to you for, for weeks on ends until we have a plan. It's that come in and advise and support and mentor, but you're not there in the detail micromanaging necessarily. And so individuals and teams own projects in that regard. And then there's an assurance piece as well at the end of that. So set direction, set expectation, get out the way, but still there's for assurance to check in, make sure it's moving in the right direction, just like you would with any customer or stakeholder in a process. Um, but then we've also looked at the organization and asked staff, you know, what, 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 what do you still need in this space? And, you know, we've looked at um, salary setting, we've looked at um, probation reviews. We've looked at all of these elements and gone, where does that sit? Who's, who has responsibility for that as, as well as decision-making? And we've still found that the, the staff are, Philippa, you, you've got the word, which I'm not sure I'm going to say, but that what's the boundary of our, our uncomfortableness? You know, where is that? Where, where can, how far can we push it? And we're still in a place where directors are still setting salaries at this stage. And they are still involved in those escalation points where it, it gets complex. And teams feel it's not comfortable for us anymore as a team to, to be involved in this level of, of personal detail or where it's a bit more of an HR complex issue. Um, they don't feel right to be doing that. So we're, we, I, I always, when I do inductions to new staff, I say we're like this, we're, we're as flat as we can be, um, but we still have that kind of residual, residual line management, which our directors hold that responsibility for. So it's building in the pieces around that that speak to that 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 organizational structure okay i'd love to add a couple of things if i may because richard i love the fact that you said the phrase isn't it complete chaos this is exactly the question that we get asked over and over again um i don't know if you're aware we we have um captured our experiences we're we're in a sort of pre-publication um stage of, of, of releasing a book. And that is exactly the name of one of our chapters, because it is such a frequently asked question for us. Um, and, you know, it, it to come back to some of the, the you know, guiding assumptions for us, um, you know, we, we believe people are adults, when they come to the workplace, it's like they, they manage, I'm really sorry if you can hear 
Um, oh, no, that's fine. Um, in the background, just some, I've also some just grab my pants. Oh, go on. Um, you know, people outside of the workplace manage complex lives themselves. And when they walk in through the door of their organization, they don't leave all of that, you know, organizational ability at the door. You know, so one of the questions that we really kind of guide ourselves in is, you know, do people need managing? You know, do, or actually what we're in the job of is managing the work. So as long as people have got competence and as long as people have got clarity, then they're perfectly capable of managing the work. Um, and actually, that's, you know, a big part of how we feel that this this works. Is once you separate out people hierarchy and work hierarchy, everybody is in a great position to, to get on with the work that they know that needs to be done. And I think that's been a big part. And the competence and clarity framework, this is um, sort of um, we we tapped into some great resources quite early on in our journey. Um, the, um, there's a chap called David Marquette. Yeah, yeah, really inspirational in this space. So we really tapped into a lot of um, sort of his work and his thinking, and we've used that to guide and inspire us as well. So it's about really trusting people. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're people that are adults who can come into the work, they can make decisions. Um, and yeah, our job as, as, a, as an organization is to make sure people have the competency and the clarity to be able to get on. Right. And from what I understand from the David Marquette, it's this intent-based leadership where I, I signal to my colleagues, I intend to do X. I invite feedback if somebody wants to share that feedback. But that's the way I self, I lead myself on. I, and I, yeah, that's the way that the oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, done. Ex exactly. Um, go on. Sorry, were you going to come in, Tara? No. I was just going to say, I, I think that comes back to one thing we've realized, because obviously there's two there's people and process in the space. And when we talk about process, it's around those tools and those resources. We talk about fluid frameworks over rigid structures, guidelines over rules here. Um, and it's about putting that in place like a decision-making process, like a reward and recognition pro uh, elements. But we've also introduced what we call a core curriculum because we recognize that within Maiden, we're asking staff to occupy a space that if you were a software developer or a marketeer, in any other or more hierarchical organization, you might just clock in, do your marketing, do your software developing, and you clock out, end of story, end of day, where we're asking people to engage in debate and uh, negotiation and feedback and difficult conversations. You want them to work as a healthy team, and that requires a level of soft skills. Um, I don't like that they're called soft because I think they're quite core. So hence yeah. why we call it our core curriculum. And that's all around giving staff the tools to be able to have those conversations, to equip them to, to really live into the space really well, that they're not just feeling a little bit lost in the process, but have the, the skill set to do it. And that seems to be a, co a common pattern of organisations who've gone down your path is a big investment in, in coaching and development. And that's something you've, you've, you, uh, well, you seem to pride yourself on. It's on the website. You know, everybody gets a coach, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, from day dot, when you join us, we will introduce you to coaching and you'll have time with um, our uh, shell. Another team member is passionate in this space and she's got a great story. Um, we would have put six people on this podcast, but it's not always possible. Um, her story was she went on maternity leave and when she came back from maternity leave, she was one of the managers within the organization and came back to an organi organization where she was no longer a manager. 
um, but was given the opportunity to really shape the coaching program. And, and she'll, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but, and there's a, I think she's got a blog on our website, so you can go find her story there. And it is in the book as well. Um, so these stories are, there's, there's so much to tell. It's always hard to squeeze it into a moment. But um, she was just saying how it's changed her career path in so many ways and really found a passion. And I think so often people are pigeonholed into those management roles because of skill sets that they have. But it's about unlocking them in a different way, not just a because management or that the ladder is the next option. It's other ways to empower and unlock people's potential. So every staff member gets given a coach from even before they've finished probation. If they wanted to, they could access a, a one-to-one coaching session. Yeah. Well, it might help uh, me get out about probation. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And we do pride ourselves on the fact that it is coaching that's genuinely available to every single person in the organization. You know, we, we, I think one of the things that working in the way that we've done has enabled us to do is really challenge some norms around the ways that we traditionally organize. And when we think about coaching very often, and, you know, it's still incredibly valuable, um, but very often only available to the top, you know, senior leadership team or, you know, the yeah. people who've been identified as having the most potential or, you know, are on the talent fast track. And um, we just say that, you know, that's, it, it just seems such a shame because everybody has got potential to be the best that they can and to, you know, like you say, really unlock themselves in the workplace. And, you know, we just felt that coaching, sh- yeah, just fundamentally should be available to everybody. And, and yeah, we're really proud of the fact our coaching program has done that. And is it voluntary or does everybody have to have a coach? It's voluntary. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I think it, that's one of the things with coaching is that it really does need, you need to want it and you want to, and, and want to engage in it. So nobody's forced. Everybody is, you know, it's made available to everybody, but it is voluntary. And what's the uptake? I mean, yeah, I'm interested what the yeah. uptake is. I think we're at 70% of staff have okay. access to a coach. Um, it's something that's grown and, and as we've grown as an organization, we've started to move into the space more and more. So early on, I think we were more like at 30, 40 percent. Um, but as more staff have come on board and people have seen the value of coaching, I think a lot of the challenge, because it's so in, it's not necessarily um, somebody does training and they come and you see the return on investment. It's quite a challenge to, to kind of make that really visible that return of investment on a, in a coaching relationship because it is such a confidential space. It's a trusted space. So you can't advertise it. So we really rely on word of mouth, but we've definitely seen a huge uptake um, as we've grown as an organization. And I'd add to that, we've got a coaching culture at Maiden. So uh, a lot of our self-managing teams either have a scrum master or a team coach that they work with. And we talk a lot about coaching language, even to the point where I think it gets a bit annoying. Well, you'll ask somebody for a question or advice and they'll come back with a coaching question and you're like, just tell me, I don't want to have a coaching conversation. So it has, it's, it's, it's brilliant that that's so embedded in how we work here at Maiden. Brilliant. Yeah. And I saw on the website, 83% of, of the people who are getting it are finding value from it. Oh so, uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's. And it's, it's provided a, a great skill set for, you know, the people that volunteered to be coaches, you know, it was something that the organization said, yeah, we want people to be properly trained in this space. You know, mm. there is there is definitely, you know, that um, um, skill set around coaching um, and we invested in it. And I think, you know, it's that's that's also enabled, you know, new growth opportunities for, for people in the organization that might never have even had had that. So that's been another exciting avenue 
Um, and I think actually Michelle, as well as the blog on our website, has done one for corporate rebels. So if yeah. people are interested in, you know, in in finding out a little bit more about what we've done and how we've done it in the coaching space, and yeah, there's some, some um, you know good good resources online at corporate rebels as well. Yeah, we'll put a link to that that blog post in the yeah in the show Thanks. notes. Yeah, and it reminds me, Taryn, of what you said right at the start here that. It, it, you were experiencing that in that toxic environment, individuals, it was individuals who were flipping back and forth and creating anxiety for you. And, and that's, that's what organizations are, that they're a collection of individuals. So if you want to improve the culture, why wouldn't you, this is what, yeah, why yeah. wouldn't you work individual by individual yeah. to improve the culture? It, 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 it just makes sense to me. And it's always something that bugged me about the agile manifesto. So for people that you know, may not be familiar with agile, but there's this agile as a movement, it's that, well, it, in the early days, a manifesto was written, and the first line is individuals and interactions over processes and tools. And of course, every single agile transformation program is 100% about processes and tools. And they never focus on the individuals. And it sounds oh. like you're doing that. Yes, yes, yes. It, oh, my goodness. I wish Rob was here now. He would be all over this. So Rob is our, you know, our real um, kind of... Um, in terms of the agile way that we've, um, you know, embraced that within Maiden. And for him, it is all about people. And I genuinely think that Maiden would not be where it is today on its self-managing journey if it hadn't have been for, you know, Rob and the colleagues around at that time really understanding that agile isn't about, isn't just about the processes, but it actually is all about the people and the, the shift. That, that they talk about in those very early days of Agile for Maiden, uh, you know, was really, really important for setting some of those foundations up for being a self-managing organization altogether. And it, including things like, um, you know, experiment, not being afraid to fail, you know, continuous improvement, which Tara mentioned already. But sorry, I just jumped in because I was just thinking about Rob and how excited he would be to hear you say that. Because <laughs> all of the things we ask of people to... In, in terms of how we're asking them to work when it comes to working in an agile way, it's, it's being comfortable with, uh, you know, anxiety or comfortable with uncertainty, should I say. It, um, it's about leading your own work, being autonomous. You know, all of these things are capacities that need to be developed in the individual. Um, and it, it makes kind of total sense that, that coaching is, 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 well, a way of supporting individuals um, in achieving that. I think as well, like, one thing I've, you were talking about people and process and, and you talk about that, you know, isn't it complete chaos? I think one of the, the things that I keep reflecting on is having a really, you know, if you don't have um, processes, I remember working um, with a lot of musicians who were around event management and they, they, I just had this phrase in my head one day of like structure breeds creativity. We all need boundaries. We all need a bit of a structure to help us figure our way around where we need to be, how we, or how we got to get there. So there's nothing wrong with structures. It's about the right structures, but then you've got to put it in alignment with people and investing in the people and empowering people and giving them the opportunity to shine. It's when you have the processes that stifle the people that you, that you get those limitations. But if you can have the two working really well in partnership and the processes are created by people that themselves have shaped it because it, it complements their way of working, their way of thinking, their way of uh, approaching a problem. You've got a really lovely, um, I guess, cake mix there that will give you a really good cake. 
um, in that in that space as well, which I think is so important. And I think what often happens, people really focus on the process or they really focus on the people, but it's the two. It's not either or, it's both. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes that makes total sense. Um, I'm still curious about the, the continued existence of the director role, right? So why do you think, because there are certainly other companies who've gone all the way, right? And there's just, there's, there's nothing left, right? There's, there's no senior role whatsoever. Uh, a formal, formal, of course, informal hierarchies are always in, in place. But why, why do you think that pertains? And, you know, is, that, is it a goal to ultimately get rid of that? Or is that something you think you'll keep? I'll, I'll, I'll make a start. I can see Taryn's gone into thinking mode. Um, <laughs> so, so first of all, we do recognise that Maiden is a legal entity. It is a company. It's registered on Companies House and it exists in that formal structure of uh, uh, as an organisation that has legal duties, um, you know, in, in terms of how it operates. So there and, and we still we still have functional teams. So we have a developer team. We have a marketing team. Um, Karen and I market discovery team. So the director team is a functional team that has to deliver against, you know, director duties, you know, to, um, to manage the company uh, according to how um, that, that is designated by company's house. So there's still that legal formal duty there. Um, then obviously Tara mentioned a couple of things that have, um, that we call residual line management, where there's still some confidential HR matters and, you know, somebody still needs to sign the contract. You know, when somebody is employed by Maiden, it's still the directors that have to sign that formal contract. So we just recognize that there's the function of the director that, that still exists. Um, and yeah, and today we find that's useful. That helps us. I do remember um, in um, set, you know, several conversations with uh, when we've sort of been working on our way of working that that. Um, the directors still see themselves as just another team delivering just another function. Um, there's uh, from time to time we have talked about things like red button decisions. Um, you know when there is um, you know significant amounts of investment um, that might be required um, leading on from a decision, then that might need a director level sign off because there may be certain things that they're aware of that others might not be. Um, but you know we again it's about having those open and honest conversations at the right time, following a good decision-making process. So people are aware of what's your, you know, competency, what's, you know, what, what is your part to play in any given sort of moment in time in terms of making a decision or pushing the company forward. Um, we do have the four-part role of the director, which I think Tara's mentioned already, sort of about mm. setting direction, setting expectation. Um, getting out of the way is the third part. And then that fourth part is about seeking assurance. Um, you know, so the directors do own a risk register, a company risk register. You know, we work in a very sensitive area. Um, you know, we, we need to keep an eye on, on quite a lot of those, those items. So yeah, it's, it's, um, it's working for us right now, but we keep an eye on all these things and we challenge them regularly and go, is this still working for us? And I think that's the thing. We, I'm sure we'll come on to it, but every organization has the opportunity to manage their own journey. You know, every organization is made up of a different group of people achieving a different set of goals. And something we strongly believe is something like self-managing. You can't necessarily follow a playbook. Mm -hmm. It's about self-awareness of the individuals, 
and awareness of an organization about what you need in terms of maybe structure to breed creativity or functional teams or working groups. It's about really tapping into what you need as a company. Yeah. Yeah, got it. Sorry, you were going to I'm come gonna in. I'm leave it with Philippa. She's she said it really well. I was just my brain went to: Would we ever be without? You know, would we ever challenge that? And as Philippa, you know, we are constantly thinking about that next space that we we, yeah. we want to challenge and not settle. Well, this is how we're going to be for the rest of it. You know. Yeah. And I think something that Taryn says really well often is about actually how brave our um, leadership in the organisation is. So, you know, the directors are key leaders in our organization, but they are certainly not the only ones. In fact, this came up at our networking event, the Fire Pit networking event this week is, you know, leadership isn't a role. You know, leadership is something that we all, um, you know, are capable of and, you know, that it's a, it's behavior and it's, you know, something that is within all of us. But our, you know, our directorship has been very brave in because there's a certain amount of letting go that they have had to do to enable the organization to go forward in this way. Um, you know, and that was built, that's, that's been built from the very seeds of where the organization started and the kind of organization that Chris May wanted um, to, to allow to evolve. You know, this is, and this is something that, you know, we return to in the book a few times is how the, the organization evolves based on the people that come in and what they bring. And, you know, part of the way that we organize ourselves is to help everybody that comes in from day one, their voice is valued. From day one, they are invited to, you know, to bring what, what they need and want to to the company. Mm. Um, I'm interested in each of you as individuals again then. So you, both of you hadn't worked in this type of environment before. You came into it um, uh, seven or eight years ago. and like. For each of you, what, how have you changed? Like, how have you been challenged by the culture? How have you grown? How have you changed? Where do you think like your edge right now is? Like, what's the next step for you in your sort of evolution? Like, I'd love to hear from each of you on that. Um, I'm happy to, to give it a go. I, I think, you know, I will, there's a section I've written in the book uh, on the chapter around the directors, particularly where. I think I found this really exciting. I was like, let me have a go at it. I felt real kind of sense of, you know, the sky's the limit, go for it. Obviously, we, we haven't touched on it, but mindset is a huge shift for a lot of people coming into this environment. Um, and I think a lot of that is the battle of the mind that you have to go on more than anything because you, you kind of go, okay, I, I can have a conversation here. You know, I, I don't, I've been really fortunate. Yes, the last organization I was in wasn't amazing. But the ones I have been really fortunate to be in other organizations with great leaders who really invited me to have a voice in the organization. They maybe didn't necessarily take all my ideas on board, but I felt like I could be brave in my communication. I could challenge the norms. And so I think I came in with a bit too much confidence in kind of challenging some of the, the cultures and the behaviors of things. And I've, you know, I've said it in the book, like I, I almost thank and apologize to the directors for that kind of, we're going to, we're going to open our doors. We're going to break down those barriers that normal hierarchical organizations have. And I think I was a bit of an eager puppy in that. So I've really had to learn the right moments and the right approaches to, to challenging conversations, to challenging the norms. 
because people as well, you know, we've got individuals who've been in the organization for over 10 years and they've been played a crucial part in that journey. And here comes the young new pup in and, and can kind of really get backs up. And that doesn't help either. But kind of respecting what's been before, but also bringing in the new and the fresh. And we want um, our new staff to feel that way as well. That, you know, you're not coming into something that's signed, sealed and delivered. You're part of shaping the future of the organization and we need to evolve. We need to be a part of that. So I think that would be my biggest reflection of just really learning. We talk about holding the space, how to hold the space well, to allow for exploration, to allow for, for difficult conversation, but also to allow for that creativity and for things to evolve rather than kind of trying to manage and pigeonhole it. I'm a, I'm a recovering control freak. So I like a good plan. I like things to run well. And, and I like everyone to have a glass of wine in their hand as well at the same time. And so I probably have the split personality in the space. And it's learning how to, who I need to be in the moment and how to hold that space, which I think is, is a skill that I'm still learning, probably. <laughs> yeah. And is it, do you have like a specific story, a specific example of that, where you were like too much of the eager puppy and, it, and, and you learned from it? Philip probably has a few. <laughs> I think I've had some really um, honest conversations. Uh, you know, I, I, I've done a lot of work around really hearing from staff, going out and having conversations with individuals and then pouring their pain out to me. And then I, it was actually, um, it was deemed the wall of doom because I decided I had all of this information of feedback from staff and all their pain. And I just had to get it out of my head. And I wrote, I kind of did this mind map chaos on a whiteboard similar to what, one behind me. But it was really quite negative. And, um, and I think it's, it's learning how to gather that information and not just think of the pain, but then to find how do we unlock the pain to move us forward. And um, I, I remember Chris May, our founding director, saying to me, he's like, are you responsible for that wall of doom? What's that about? <laughs> kind of having a really frank conversation with him about, actually, I got so bogged down with the feedback that I'd got myself into a negative space where I should have actually been more into the solution, helping find a way forward and kind of recognizing from a really frank conversation that you've got yourself quite, quite depressed by all this feedback. What are you going to do about it now? And it's shifted into a positive space. Well, that's, that's interesting because you mentioned that term hold space. But yeah, so how could you like allow the negativity, allow the pain to come up and stay as, as much as it's ever possible, yeah. like the observer, yeah. right? Or the, yeah. the holding space. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think it's also recognizing because so often I, I, you know, I do in kind of, I guess it's my empathy in me. You can hear somebody's story and you kind of take it on, don't you? But it's also recognizing because sometimes you can hear from one person who's had one difficult situation and that's through their filter. That doesn't mean it's everyone's pain. And so it's really sifting through what is the, 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 the pulse of the business right now and what is one individual's pain point. And it's kind of trying to work out. And I think I was taking a lot of individuals' pain points and making it the organization's problem, which also isn't necessarily the, the reality either. Well, that's fascinating. And, that, and having that coaching structure also presumably helps your organization sift through some of that, right? Because yeah. yeah. how much of, is somebody's pain about your culture or is it just something they, they would be better off working through with a coach? Yeah, right? absolutely. And, and understanding is that pain, you know, we often talk about, um, educating and embedding. So we have a lot of tools and processes. We have a lot of that mindset shift and each individual is on their own journey of 
understanding and we talk about do you know our way of working or do you understand it and are you able to live it and everyone's on a different journey in that space mm. and recognizing where they are it might be they just don't properly understand the decision making process so maybe that's where we need to go rather than actually everything's wrong and they and they you know we really need to restructure the organization <laughs> right yeah got it got it um yeah philippa how about your your personal journey with this uh yeah uh, so it's just it is brilliant to hear taryn's reflections and you know our, our journey at maiden has been so intertwined we've worked together on on lots of things both on the way of working and projects for the company so when i first joined um Maiden really spoke to me at a level of values. I'd come from an organization where the um, the way that people were treated was like, uh, the best way I can describe it is like a sponge that needed to be squeezed for everything it could give. And then off you go. You know, there was very little investment back into the people. There was very little kind of, we really value what people bring. One of my fundamental fundamental beliefs is that you know people make the organization people are the most important part of the organization um, and maiden just embodied that when i you know first connected and, and came in for, for interview i was like this is how this this organization just speaks to me at that level and i just felt really really connected um and the team i was invited to join at the time was called the executive team i think it was called executive team which was basically the directors and i was coming in to support them they were busy you know they needed stuff done they needed somebody to support them in that, that project work and i'm not kidding you within 3 months of joining that team was disbanded because it was deemed too hierarchical now you know, in terms of like a, a career path, I was like, oh, my goodness, what's going on here? And, you know, and I, again, when you think about in a typical organization, that would have been absolutely terrifying. You know, you're, you're, you're three months in the door. The team you've just you know joined has been disbanded. You know, that's a scary moment. But honestly, it was absolutely liberating um, because it just gave me the opportunities to get involved in so many different things. Now, I'm in some ways on the opposite of Taryn, well, the opposite of whatever control freak, you know, I, I don't really, I've never liked telling people what to do. I don't really understand that way of operating. You know, I am very much a facilitator, a mediator, a holder space. And so really having that freedom and that autonomy to get involved where I felt like I could add the most value has just been, you know, absolutely incredible. Not to say there haven't been some bumps along the road. You know, sometimes, you know, for somebody like myself that sees lots of possibility, it can be really hard to, let's say, prioritize, you know, somebody you, you can you can end up um, perhaps with too much going on. So that's when you do need to sort of sit. But the point is, you've got colleagues here, you've got processes here where you can kind of, um, you know, help yourself in those times. So it is about, you know, you know possibly, you know, reflect on what Taryn said about recognizing if you're trying to go it alone too much you reach out for help if you you know you've got caught up in something you know it's really about lifting your head up out of the parapet and saying ah hold on i i need some help here so yeah my journey's it's been a, a very varied one and and i think probably now what with one of the things that we're thinking about quite a lot in the organization is progression because if there isn't like a you know a, t a traditional hierarchy where people get promoted into roles what does progression look like here? 
And, you know, the thing that we really home in on is, is it's about growth. That might be personal growth, professional growth, you know, building new skills, getting involved in new things. So I think for me that, yeah, where I'm at now is like, what does my personal progression at Maiden look like? Where are the, the new opportunities for me to grow into? Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, and and what do you think those are? Like, I'm I'm intrigued. Like, wh- where do you feel like your growth is going to be? Um, well, it, that's a really good question. Uh, in recent year, probably in the last year or so, I've become a lot closer to our um, the product side of the business. Um, and we, as an organisation, we're looking to grow, looking for you know new opportunities outside of our core market. So for me, uh, whilst I've been spending a lot of time look. We, we talk about, you'll recognize this from, um, uh, I think it's Dan Pink, the uh, the why, the how, and the what of organizations. Mm-hmm. So I've spent a lot of time in our how space. How do we work at Maiden on the way of working? And I'm now really stretching myself into the what, um, you know, our, our products, our markets, our customers. So for me, I think those growth opportunities start to come from recognizing what the next steps might be for the business and and how I can uh, bring some value and and earn some stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and I think this point about progression is a really important one because I I remember reading an article about Medium, you know, the the blogging site, and they'd they'd gone down the holacracy route, which is another sort of paradigm for very flat structures. And and they gave up that route. And one of the reasons they cited was we couldn't attract certain talent because we couldn't say, hey, come and be our like head of marketing or you know, head of creative or whatever, because we don't have, <laughs> there is no, there is no time. So, so that was one of the reasons they, they went away from it is what this article said. And so, and, and, and the alternative is, oh, well, you can come here and, and grow and evolve and develop as a person. And for some people that's going to be like, I don't want to grow and develop and develop as a person. I want, I want the VP title. Like, do, do you find that, you know, as a challenge with, with me? Um, I, I mean, it is a very, um, tricky time in terms of you know attracting um let's say software developers um and i th- i don't it, like we say to people actually if you need or want to give yourself a job title you know then then do you know sometimes you need that if you're going to a networking event and you want somebody to understand that space that you hold in your company um but i think it is recognizing like that Again, that difference between internal and external facing. Um, and I, I, yeah, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't think it is a huge problem in terms of attracting people or recognizing people for the experience they bring, you know, the value that they add to the organization. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it's a big problem. Um, I don't know. Tara might have some views on this. She she looks after quite a lot of our induction and, you know, speaks to people when they're very new in the organization a lot. So I don't know. She's probably got some particular views as well. I, I think you're correct. It's a very interesting market around recruitment anyway, because people, you know, and I think the world is shifting. And I, But I feel like it's also that it's a pendulum that's swinging. You know, when we went into lockdown, everyone kind of went, oh, this working at home thing's quite nice. Or went, I hate this. But a lot of kind of people realize I can work from home. I can live in anywhere in the world and do what I want. So you've got that mindset that's challenging a bit of approaches. And we've very intentionally in an organization looked at our way, our place of work policy and gone, what, what are we, what are we saying we are? Are we office-based? Are we hybrid? What are we? And we did a lot of work around that. We, we see value 
in the in-person space as well as hybrid we, we want both to work and so I think we are losing well, not I wouldn't say losing but people will look and go well I can't work for I can't work remotely I have to almost engage but then you're attracting a different um individual who goes I want to be part of shaping something brilliant we are fortunate to work in the healthcare sector and so many of our staff are inspired by that and challenged by that and go I want to play a role that's making a difference to somebody's life and as a software developer I can do that here because I know at the end of the day and that's something we we see so beautifully in all of our staff you know our purpose is changing what's possible for clinicians and patients you know um and they go oh I'm changing the life of somebody if I'm dealing with the software on a day-to-day basis and, and it's blocking somebody from getting the therapy they need, I'm actually saving somebody's life because that might mean between them committing suicide or not. And that's a huge statement to make mm. and, and kind of kind of scary. But And I'm not saying everyone lives with that filter at work here, but that's the reality for people. They work here because it's a, they're making a difference to people's lives. And I think that's a huge motivator. And they feel that sense of empowerment and ownership and responsibility and accountability of working in a, in, a, in a great organization that helps them be their full self. We say, you know, you're a human being, you're not a human doing, but you're here because of who you are, not to be just because of what you do. We want you to bring your whole self to work, um, recognizing in that space that somebody's whole self, we all have challenges in life, that your best self is sometimes all, all you can offer, and that's okay too. We want you to bring all of you, you've got life experience, you've got work experience, you've got cultural experience you've got so much to bring and we're interested in it all you know I'd love to just add a couple of things to what Tamish is saying there because what it's made me think about is you know the connected to the job title you know we we, people come to work here and they bring their experience their expertise their energy but what we don't need is ego you know and if you are grasping a job title because you're trying to feed your ego that might not be great and you might find this quite you know a, a tricky place to to be and to work but if it, you know and i guess that's the thing it, it is you know just sort of diving into that level of um yeah human beingness at work yeah i think that's a really important point i think i think one of the reasons bureaucracies exist and persist in society is is because it's it serves an ego it serves the human ego i get to say i'm x and i get to say i'm more powerful than y right it's yeah and and the alternate message is well let's create a where you evolve as a human being and you is is a different message and not everybody is attracted to it and, and what we say is what we find people get great satisfaction and fulfillment and engagement at work through coming to work in that way um yeah so uh yeah we we believe it works we've seen it work it is not without its challenges you know as Taryn said at, at the start this isn't a not straightforward journey this is not an easy way out it's not a panacea one you know something one size fits all but it is a different way of working um and we th- yeah we find it is very fulfilling um yeah I'm being looked at because people yeah. are about to kick me out the room. <laughs> sure. So I was sorry. No, no. Well, thank you both. Um, yeah, fantastic uh, conversation. I feel very inspired by it. And I hope uh, our listeners do too. Oh, thank Be you great. for giving yeah. us the opportunity. We yeah. really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so and, much. And um, well, when the book comes out, let me know and we can send a, send also send a, a message to our, to our listeners and let people know it's, it's there. Thank you. Great. Okay. 
Thanks a lot. Have a good day. Thanks. Nice to chat. Thanks, Thank Richard. You. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. The Being Human podcast was brought to you by First Human. For more on First Human's human-focused coaching and leadership programs, head to firsthuman.com.